Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, the place where you will get to know inspiring real-life women who dare to do the uncommon. They embrace who they are in their life's purpose, and most importantly, they thrive because of it. I am Olga Mueller, a personal success coach and speaker, passionate traveler, and unshakable believer that everyone deserves to live a life they love without ever having to feel guilty about it. Each week, I will introduce you to powerhouse women from all around the world to show you that you can create a fulfilling life you love, no matter the circumstances, personal history, or topic. Me and my fellow ladies are here to bust your fears, your feelings of guilt and shame, and boost your confidence to a whole new level where you are finally able to see that I can do it too. Get ready to dare, embrace, and thrive unapologetically with us. Let's do this. So welcome to a new episode of the Thrive Podcast. Today I have another powerhouse woman with me. Her name is Nancy Bradshaw and Nancy is an airline pilot, commercial ASAL and helicopter pilot. Nancy has a master's actually in aerospace engineering and was a flight test engineer for over nine years. I mean, she absolutely loved her work, but sitting in a dark control room behind a computer all day was just not the way that she wanted to spend her career. And so in 2015, she decided to change her career from being an aerospace engineer to becoming a pilot. And she says that it has been the best decision she's ever made. Becoming a pilot has taught her so much about herself, has pushed her limits and has made her feel like she can accomplish anything that she sets her mind to. And I am so thrilled to have you on the podcast today with me, Nancy. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Ask me. I mean, like I would, I would probably say like, a lot of the excitement also comes from, I would say, my personal childhood, <laughs> because um, I remember that when I was little, I could, um, I imagined or dreamed of becoming actually um, an astronaut, like I wanted to travel into space. Oh, there you go. And um, at some point, um, I also loved like the idea of becoming a pilot, but I, I just know that, you know, it is so difficult at least here in in germany from what i've heard you know the tests that you have to take um let's say the physical preparation that you need and everything just just, just comes to even qualify to even have a chance to you know get into a program it's just super super difficult so this is why i'm so curious to hear you know how your experience has been and um but i mean it seems like you know your whole career has always been kind of tied to let's say airplanes aerospace flying in a certain way so i was curious like did you always have that passion like did you also want to be like a little pilot when you were growing up or like where has that come from well actually yeah i did want to be a pilot for the longest time as i can remember i think what happened is when i was little i lived in the netherlands but the majority of my family lived in the dutch antilles meaning in aruba and curacao mm -hmm. so then when i was really really young my parents would um put me on a boeing 747 to go see my grandparents and that experience, the first time that I was on a large aircraft, um, you go with the flight attendant if you are flying unaccompanied as a minor. They herd all these little ch children together, and then, you know, they make sure that you get on the plane on, on time, that you don't get lost and all this stuff, right? So I asked the flight attendant, how is it that this huge thing 
can take me to my grandparents. And that one flight attendant made sure that I could talk to the pilots up front in the cockpit. And she said, these two gentlemen, they, these people are going to fly you to your grandparents. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's amazing. I will be the person that flies everybody to their grandparents. Because in my mind, everybody's grandparents lived on the other side of the ocean. That's, <laughs> of course. That's just the way. This is the way the world works. This is what it is. So since then, I had my mindset on becoming a pilot. But just like you said, in Germany, the way it's basically the same in the Netherlands, it's really hard to become a pilot. It's very expensive. Mm. And I didn't have the means to do so. Um, but my dad was always like, well, you can do something else in, in aviation and you might get there later on in life. But right now, maybe it's not something you can do, but you're smart. Maybe you can make airplanes instead of fly them. Mm. So that's why I went to um, engineering school and then study aerospace engineering in order to be in that world, to be in aviation. And then I was lucky enough to uh, work for the Air Force, for the Dutch Air Force uh, on F-16. They bought the F-35 and then basically the Air Force shipped me to the United States, ended up in California and did my engineering on the F-35 there for another six years, for nine years in total in engineering. But in the United States, the rules are completely different than in Europe. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I also had a really good paying job, so I could finally afford flight training. Now, mm -hmm. at that point in life, I didn't realize that I was actually going to be able to do it as a job, but it was always in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, long story short, I basically, during my entire career of being an engineer, I was working on my flight ratings as well. So over a course of nine, maybe even 10 years, I was doing all my flight training in order to eventually maybe become a pilot so um, and so what happened you were yeah, doing it all by your uh, like all on the side while while you were working a regular job like just training correct like is it, it because the only person that i um i i know um who has taken kind of uh, or made a, uh, a license it was just like for very small airplanes like let's say those super light ones so i mean is it even possible to take like let's say hobby classes for like the big boeings or did you start no, like so literally with smaller planes exactly and that's how it works for everybody so you start in a really small the airplane single engine lands mm -hmm. you you start in a two-seater maybe a four-seater And in that, you work your way all the way up to a commercial rating. And then a commercial rating, all that means is that you can fly for hire, that somebody can pay you to fly. However, you're not an airline pilot yet. Now, after the commercial rating, in Europe, you can actually start flying a Boeing or anything like that if you have your ATP, your airport, uh, airline transport pilot license. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, you can have that as soon as 350 flying hours, I believe. Whereas in the United States, you need to have 1,500 flying hours. Oh, wow. So once you, yeah, once you get your commercial rating in the smaller airplanes, what you then do is you start teaching in a smaller airplane or you get some other job in a smaller airplane to be able to fly around and get to that 1,500 hours. Then you do that last mega exam that makes you an airline transport pilot. And now you can go fly for the airlines. So that's how you get there. So I've been flying those smaller airplanes for a long time before I finally could go to 
fly um, bigger jets. And I'm still not flying a, a Boeing. I'm flying an uh, Embraer ERJ-145, which is a 50-seater. Mm -hmm. But so, like, one thing I'm curious about, like, has there never been any, let's say, comments or discouragement from, let's say, your family or environment in general about, like, you know, this is not something for girls or, you know, don't you want to maybe do something else? Because, like, let's say... It's as stupid as it is, you know, and I don't like the idea, but like seeing girls in a in an industry um, like, let's say, aerospace is super rare, I, I believe. Like you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't imagine that there's many women out there running, uh, working on planes or working for the Air Force. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I've only as long as I can remember and as I've been working, as long as I've been working, I worked in a male dominated industry. From my family, from my friends, I have never, ever gotten any negativity, ever. And that's, I think I'm very, very fortunate that way. My parents are super open-minded and they're like, you know, yeah, whatever you want to do, whatever mm. you want to do, we will be behind you all, like all the way, which is fantastic because it was my dad's initial push to actually get me in that aerospace industry in the first place. Because mm -hmm. when I figured I can't be a pilot because it's too expensive, Well, he said, you could still do something else. And he's always been fighting for me to just do whatever I want to do. And that has been aerospace engineering. However, the environment sometimes is a little rough. It is sometimes, you know, you have to stand up for yourself a little bit more than you would, you know, than your male counterparts do. Mm. Um, you do have to give yourself a little bit more of a voice, which is really hard because You know, it's a fine line between being assertive and being aggressive. Mm. And you don't want to be an aggressive female in a male-dominated industry because then people are going to give you a lot of bad comments real quick. Um, I, so can I just that, say, I, you I know, really love how, like, when men come come across as like you know very i don't know decisive and like in their in their power or whatever that is it's like when a woman does it too much in air quotes like too much then she's bossy she's pushy then she's a bitch and she's whatever and it's just like so ridiculous to me that you can own like as a woman you can only be let's say assertive or confident to a certain degree because after that it's just like yeah wrong like what the fuck I know it's it's and that's that's exactly what my experience has been and continues to be not just in um, actually I found it less in engineering because in engineering people are a lot more res respectful of each other I feel like um, it's it's I, I guess being in engineering and being a pilot both are very professional environments if you will but pilots are very uh, type A personalities versus engineers more being type B, right? Mm -hmm. Like they won't say as much what's on their mind as opposed to pilots. They will just like derail you. Don't, it doesn't matter. And I feel like I found it more and more in the pilot world where people have no joke told me, well, you know, you need to stop being so bitchy or something like that mm -hmm. of the extent, right? Not that it happens all the time right this is a small subset of people that have to be negative yeah um regardless right if it were to be for a female or if it were to be for skin color or if it were to be for i don't know sexual orientation these people would be negative about something that's different in the first place um 
but yeah, you're, you are completely right. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that as being a female that you have to walk that line and you can't completely, you know, empower whatever or embody whatever power you have. It's just, it's, it's just not possible. Unfortunately, we still don't live in an age where everything is accepted. We want to be accepting that. I think the world wants to be accepting, but it's just not there yet. I know. And you know what what I just wanted to mention is that interestingly enough, um, I don't want to just say that that only comes, let's say the feedback only comes from men, but it also comes from women. Um, and, um, absolutely. I just love the fact. And the hardest part is the the feedback that you get from women is sometimes more harsh. I know than it would be, and that's that's sometimes it's very discouraging at times. Um, but again, I want to emphasize that that's not like the majority of the experience that I've had, both in engineering or mm. as being a pilot. The majority of the experience that I've had is very positive. It's just. You know, it's been great, but yeah, there are a few rotten apples in the basket. No, yeah, definitely. And I think I really love the fact that, you know, that you just mentioned, like, um, we need to kind of, people want to be understanding. And I think this is sometimes uh, what we're lacking um, as women amongst each other is like to understand each other. Like, um, we're waiting, I think, a lot of times for the understanding from, uh, from the men. But actually, I think we need to start with ourselves. So I also hope that really like sharing, you know, those different stories on the podcast really and the struggles that are behind, you know, every single story behind every single woman. Um, just I mean, and we are all struggling with it. Right. So just hope that it shows that, you know, have a little bit more compassion and empathy with, you know, with your other females and don't be harsher on them than yeah. you are with, you know, anybody else. Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, I feel like sometimes we are a little too harsh on ourselves that as too. a collective, yeah. I guess. So, <laughs> and that kind of, and that kind of, you know, sometimes goes outward to other ladies as well. As much as you're hard to to yourself, you might, you know, yeah. you're putting so many super high standards on yourself based on the fact that you're in this male dominated industry and all that. And then you see somebody else doing it to a lo- maybe a standard that's for you not high enough, and you're going to be overly critical. Mm. Yet you both are doing great, right? Exactly. So, um, but it, but it's something I struggle with too. Like you know, sometimes I'm a lot less friendly than I want to be. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is why I'm saying everybody's struggling with that. So, I think we. It, it needs to start with understanding ourselves and then understanding others and um, yeah, have a little bit, be a little bit kinder to yourself and to everybody else. But so how would you say, yeah. have you been, um, you know, what has helped you manage those kind of situations where maybe you were labeled as to all, oh, maybe she's too aggressive, you know, or whatever people would like kind of call that. Um, or that type A personalities, like you mentioned, um, let's say more in the pilot space? Mm, um, I guess I had to, I think two things. One thing that is more, not necessarily a positive thing, which I am actually now trying to change about myself. I'm trying to get back to what I was when I left the Netherlands. 
I think it has to do with the fact that I moved to the United States and also I, I feel the, the culture in the U.S. is a little bit different than in Europe. Oh, yeah. And that, that kind of that played into, the, in, into effect that I, I kind of I minimized myself a little bit. Like my, I, have, I had a huge personality. Mm-hmm. And I always spoke very loudly and I always, and it's, it's a little bit of the Caribbean background, right? We're not, we're not very quiet people. <laughs> we, we have a big opinion and, 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 and you have huge emotions, right? You laugh big, you cry big, all that stuff. And I toned that down a lot just by moving to the United States. And then as, um, as an engineer, I've always been super confident and I know my stuff because I know I'm good at it. Not because I want to brag, but because I worked hard. Mm. I worked hard to get to where I was, and I did my job for a long time. I knew what I was doing. Um, and that wasn't a bad thing as being an engineer. However, being a pilot, I had to learn a lot, and specifically getting into being a pilot next to another job. I was doing it at a, an older age than other people are doing it, right? Um, so then... Uh, I got a lot of people that were telling me that I was being too cocky and being too too confident, right? So then now not only did I minimize my personality, now I'm minimizing the amount of confidence that I have. Hmm. Now, mind you, this is only an outward thing, right? Like inside, I still know that I can do things. I still hmm. know that I'm good at A, B, and C. I still know that if you and your family come into an airplane with me, I am a hundred percent sure that you're safe, mm-hmm. right? Like I, w- I wouldn't be flying a jet with 50 people if I didn't know that I can do it. Yet outwardly, you try to make yourself a little bit smaller so mm-hmm. you don't get those negative comments anymore. And yeah. I think that's a negative thing. And that's something I want to get away from, but I don't necessarily know yet how to, how to manage that without getting more negative feedback, right? And then on the flip side of that, I try to make people understand that I'm just the same as you are. Mm. Like if you're, if you're a guy and you worked hard to be here, I worked hard to be here too. Yeah. So we are equals and that's what I try to do on the flip side. So as much as I minimize myself now, I'm kind of like trying to build it back up outwardly because it never, it's never gone. Right. It's still, it's still inside. And now I'm really trying to outwardly um, communicate better with other people mm-hmm. that have an, an opinion of maybe a female being lesser than or, you know, somebody that's a pilot for a second career being lesser than somebody that would have done it from the start. And then it's a lot of communication and trying to have understanding and empathy for the person that doesn't understand it, mm. that doesn't understand that I can be the same as they are even though I have boobs, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's that simple. If somebody, it's just a physical difference. I like know. I can, like, for example, there are some things, so our airplane um, has cables and pulleys and some things are just heavy. Yeah. Like if it, it's just heavy physically, right? So yes, it's going to take me a little bit more effort than the 200 pound bulky guy with I don't know how many muscles that sits next to me, right? That's the physical difference. I can't do anything about it. It's gonna take me more 
it's just going to be more difficult for me and I'll accept that and that's the way it is. However, learning how to fly this plane was just as difficult for you as it was for me or just as easy, however you want to see mm -hmm. that. And that's what I try to tell people. Like, If it's not a physical, physiological thing that makes us different, then we can try to come together and see that we're the same in the other ways. And that's what I try. I'm trying to communicate it more, I guess. That's that's the that's the new thing that I'm trying to do. Instead mm -hmm. of trying to get myself out of the equation, I'm actually inserting myself into the equation and trying to Yeah, you know, that's awesome. communicate better. And that has a lot to do also with when I started my YouTube channel um, and, and started my online presence and the content creation that I do. I don't want to emphasize that I'm a female. I don't want to emphasize that I'm quote unquote of color mm -hmm. or, you know, but what I do want to show is that I'm equal. I'm equal just as much as the guys that are explaining the same things Yeah. without emphasizing. And, and that's what I'm trying to learn and navigate to communicate with a feeling of equality as opposed to communicate with a feeling of difference if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Plus, I mean, um, I think I think the most, or one thing that we get lost so much, and I include myself, obviously, totally, in it, is that sometimes, like, we, we take what other people might, let's say, whatever, whatever meaning they might give to a situation, whatever meaning they might give, whatever to your performance or how you show up or how you behave or whatever, you know, you could behave in any way. They would make their own conclusion. So you have no freaking control over what consequence or what conclusions or what thoughts or what meaning their mind is going to make out of what it is that you do. Maybe they are like, you know, they're so used to seeing everything in a negative way, whatever, great thing you're going to do they will see find a way to see the negative side to it and um sometimes i think it just literally helps to you know understand that hey i'm not i'm not responsible for for you feeling maybe offended or you feel intimidated you know it is not my responsibility to deal with that i'm just doing my job and i know i can do a great job so if you have a problem like there's something that you should should deal with you know but it's not necessarily yeah me. um if you were to do it like let's say on purpose with a certain intention with a certain um like negative intention or whatever we're talking totally different but you just showing up for yourself for your life for your job and doing the best thing like possible like and if people have a problem with that this is not your problem anymore i feel This is their problem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And a good example of that is I was flying. Uh, I flew corporate for a while in a small um, private jet. And it was a really, I flew with a really young captain, but he had been flying for as long as I did. But he just started, right? Like he started with flying as his first career, his mm. first thing that he did. But he, he was young and he looked really young too, which wasn't helping him. But he was a phenomenal pilot, like a really good guy. And then there's me, right? And I don't look necessarily all that mature either. I know that. I can't do anything about it. <laughs> but anyway, here we are in the situation and um, two guys, they show up. They're supposed to fly with us. And he looks at the at the guy and he looks at me and he goes, 
you look like my grandson and you look like I don't even know if you should be flying. And this is what he literally told us, right? Wow. So not only did he diminish me because I'm a female, he diminished the capability of this other pilot as well. And I told him point blank, listen, between the two of us, we have 5,000 hours of flying experience. Either you accept that and accept that we are safe and that we're going to get you to where you need to go as quickly as we can and as safely as we can, or you're welcome to sit down and we'll get you another crew. However, we don't know how long that takes and we will take this plane and leave. Right. Yeah. And it's co completely due to just the perception of the situation. And you know what? Those people still got onto our flight. We flew them wherever they needed to go to. At the end of the flight, they said, hey, thank you. We had a really great experience, and we're sorry that we were, you Such know. assholes. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that we felt the type of way about your appearance. And that's kind of what I what I liked, because I did communicate. I mean, I, I what I really wanted to say, like I had yeah. something to say, but I did, right? I communicated, look, I can do my job. Mm. Either you accept it or you don't, right? And then at the end of it, I think the both of us were able to convince these two guys that maybe a pilot doesn't have to look the way that you think a pilot has to look in order to be safe. Yeah. You don't have to be a grouchy old guy with a big belly in order to, you know, whatever they were expecting. Yeah. For, <laughs> Santa Claus. For, you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know what they were expecting, but they were definitely not expecting us. Um, but it is like you said, they had a preconceived notion of the two of us just by the way we looked and they were just going to be negative regardless yeah and i thought i don't think that they would have gotten on the plane if they didn't really 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 have to be somewhere right mm. like i mean that's also one of the i mean you're not going to rent yourself a private jet if you don't really need to be somewhere i guess unless you have a lot of money mm. um but, but I think, yeah it, i think it was very powerful like to take it off of the let's say emotional personal level and just bring it to the let's say objective like uh fact level like because then it there was nothing like between you and i it's just about you know facts and about yeah, like and you said i am able to do this job i'm trained and um you have no clue about flying an airplane so right and it's exactly what you said me personally or anybody else we can't change the perception of somebody, if they yeah. want to be negative and they want to have a bad attitude about something, they will have it whether I want to change it or not. However, I'm here to do a job. If you want me to do my job, I can. I don't care about your attitude. I will do my job because that's what I'm paid for. Mm. Um, you know, and that's that's all there is. And, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that in the end they were, I feel like we, we, we were able to open their eyes just a little bit. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. always a good feeling. So yeah. would you say that um, doing or becoming becoming a pilot and um, kind of going through that, let's say, transition um, has helped you to also, I don't want to say find your voice because I'm sure you had your voice, but really to just um, back it up more, you know? I think I found my voice in a different way. I think um, I think if I hadn't become a pilot, I wouldn't have been 
as, uh, let's say, wouldn't have been as open with my thoughts and feelings and, and, and yeah, thoughts about how, how inequality sometimes is a, is a big thing in different industries. Um, but that also comes with the choice of making me becoming a pilot such a big deal. You know what I mean? Like becoming an aerospace engineer to me never was a huge deal because that was just a means to an end, right? Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to become a pilot. I wanted to get there somehow, some way, and I was able to make it happen. And then once I became a pilot, I was like, look, if I can do it, you can do it too, right? Mm -hmm. So then I felt like if I can give that feeling of accomplishment and if I can give that journey meaning in the sense that I can help somebody else achieve the same thing, then that would be awesome. But that meant that I had to give my voice a different purpose, right? Mm. Whereas before my voice was only there to do my job as an aerospace engineer. And if you're in parties and social gatherings and somebody asks you, what do you do that you are brave enough to tell them, oh, I'm an aerospace engineer mm. versus, you know, way in the beginning, I didn't even do that. I would be like, oh, I'm a personal assistant because I didn't want to, I didn't want to go through the either the judgment or the the trouble of telling people that yes, women can do this as well, right? So then after a few years, I was like, oh, I can tell people that, that's fine. And then now, <laughs> instead of just waiting for somebody to ask me, now I'm actually like going telling out there. people. Yeah, that's awesome. Going out there, yes. Um, and I, you know, it's it's weird because people don't understand that I'm, I'm actually a pretty introverted person. I don't necessarily <laughs> like to serious? go out. Absolutely. I don't like to go out in big crowds and talk and this, that, and the other. However, a conversation that you and I are having yeah. right now, I enjoy that a lot because it still feels like the two of us are talking, mm. right? Which means that mediums like podcasts and like YouTube and any social or not like any... I think anything that comes with the internet, it gives me this opportunity to have a huge voice because I can still, I can reach so many people while I don't have to actually see them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I Why to, I'm sitting in my room, have, in my corner. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I don't, I don't have to feel uncomfortable to, yeah, to, to be in a, in a huge space with people. So I think... My voice has changed over the mm -hmm. over the years, and I'm sure it will change more, right? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I it, think it, we grow okay. with everything, so. Exactly. So maybe at some point in time, I won't feel uncomfortable speaking in big, big gatherings and with lots of people and, you know, yeah. who knows? Well, we'll I just... never thought that. I... Yeah, yeah, go Sorry? ahead. I said, I, I wanted to say, like, I never thought that I would have a conversation with a German lady on the other side of the world about... While you were living in the U.S.? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, it's it all took different routes and, and, and turns in life that I had never expected. And so, so did my voice, my opinion, my, you know, my everything changed a lot over the, over the course of a few years. Yeah, what would you say was, I mean... What was the biggest thing that, you know, have 
um, you have learned about yourself in that process? Was it just the just in air quotes like the finding the voice and changing the purpose of it, or what was really one thing that really struck you quite deeply? I think the one thing that struck me the most is finally actually having confidence in yourself mm. and not other people. And this is a hundred percent because I became a pilot because I was flying a lot, you know, you do your flight instruction and you're sitting next to somebody else and they're helping you out. And again, this is in those tiny little airplanes, right? And then I started flying around for fun and I'm with friends and they have their own airplanes. I fly with them and there's always somebody with you. You have this huge crutch, right? Like if mm. something goes wrong, this other person is going to help me out. And then in uh, July of 2015, I decided I was going to do an air race. And that meant that I had to fly a small four-seater airplane from California all the way to Virginia. And you have to cross the Rockies and you have to fly at pretty high altitudes. Anyway, it's a small plane. It's hard to do that. I mean, it's kind of like doing a cross-country drive in a old Volkswagen Beetle, but now you're <laughs> in the air 10,000 feet, right? Like it's just, it's kind of like that equivalent. Um, And through circumstances, the lady that was supposed to do that with me, uh, after two legs or maybe three legs of flying, she stopped. She didn't want to do it anymore. So now I had to fly all the way across the United States by myself in that tiny airplane. And it was a struggle. I, I didn't know if I wanted to do it. Should I do it? Should I not do it? And I decided to just go for it. Mm -hmm. So for the next four or five days, I was flying by myself in a small four-seater airplane across the United States of America. And that was such a ginormous confidence booster because there's nobody to help you now. Mm. Like if you F up, it, it's just going to be you, right? You make all decisions yourself. You have to talk to air traffic control by yourself. You need to figure out where you want to go by yourself. You need to figure out your fuel stops. You need to figure out how much water you can drink because you don't want to pee. You need it like... It, it seems super basic, and but every single decision was up to me. Mm. And I had never, ever been in a, in a situation that every single decision was up to me. Because I've always worked in bigger organizations. I've always been a part of a whole. And this time I wasn't part of a whole. I was, it was just me. And I found so much confidence in that, that one trip, that changed the entire game for me and it wasn't as if i wasn't confident before i knew that i could do things but just doing something absolutely completely alone that was a huge game changer not only in my career but also for on a personal level it was a huge game changer yeah yeah i can only imagine but yeah I, it's different but i think some like i mean I mean, my equivalent to that would be like probably very a very poor equivalent. But for me, it was like when when I um, went to the yes for the first time all by myself. I mean, it was for an internship, but literally like the only the like everything rested on the fact that I hope that that other intern would pick me up at the airport because otherwise I didn't have any clue like where I should go, where the apartment is, where I'm working, how to get there. I didn't know anything. I was just like, I don't know. That's the way I prepare sometimes. And I was just like, I remember, you know, 
I just I just had this idea from I don't know watching so much TV. You know, I wanted to go to the U.S. for some you know really convincing reason. And when I was in the airplane, I was just like, "Fuck, what do I do if he doesn't show up? You know, I'm so screwed." But even then, I mean, he picked me up and everything went well. But then you're just all by the, by yourself there. You know, you need to figure shit out. And um, I feel like we are not putting ourselves enough into those kind of situations or the same happened when I went to China for an internship. It's like, you don't even speak the language there. It was just like, okay, if that driver doesn't appear and he doesn't have a sign with my name on it, I have no fucking clue where to go. You know, I don't even know where to call. Like, who do I call? I will figure it out somehow. But it's just like, this is why I'm, for me personally, that traveling experience has been like, so, um, so empowering in that sense and this is why i would recommend to anybody to just really go travel by yourself and have that kind of experience and that's why i can only imagine you know what that did to you but i could never imagine like flying i mean because it's like what five hour flight at least six hours oh well no in a really tiny plane like that yeah it's the same as driving i don't go faster than what the cars go on the ground really Really, like, <laughs> and if you have a really strong headwind, it can take even longer. Like, oh my it took God. me to go from to go from the west coast basically all the way to the east coast. It took me a little over a week in order to get it done with weather wow. and all this. But yeah, it was it was intense because you know sometimes the at some point there was this huge storm that was chasing me across Texas, and at some point I had to make a decision am I going to stop and wait until the storm goes or should I go ahead of it so I decided to stop and wait for two days because I couldn't fly further yeah um yeah it was it's it's the same as as, in those small super small airplanes you're not going all that quick oh my god it's (laughs) it's a good thing that we talked about is like I would have thought okay maybe in a day you can do that but like literally taking you one week going at car speed across the U.S. it takes a long time Absolutely. It's it's the same as a road trip. It's just an air trip. And then Holy doing fuck. it by yourself, making sure that you find your way. <laughs> so what would you say has then, I mean, first of all, what has kept you, you know, going? Because accumulating, let's say, 1500 hours is like a shitload of work, I imagine. And you yeah. need to be like, super passionate about it i guess to really just go all the way because i can imagine like somewhere in between your you would you could be like oh my god you know i've already done 800 hours like how much more because you were also paying it you know out of your own pocket and um secondly like what like what was the moment or what made you then eventually say like okay you know what screw this i'm ready I really want to become an, uh, a pilot now and leave my engine, my safe engineering job behind. So I had, so to backtrack a little bit, um, you have to have 250 flying hours to become a commercial pilot. So at that point you can start making money with it. So most people start flight instructing in those small airplanes and you get, you can get paid. So now you're no longer paying for flight hours. Okay. You're getting paid to fly. I didn't do that because I had, a good paying job. So I paid four flying hours until about 500 hours. And when I did that cross country flight by myself and I got back to the United or back to the West coast and I was in my cubicle mm-hmm. in my engineering job, I said, 
I can't do this anymore. I need to actually become a pilot because I've now proven to myself Mm. that I can do it. Mm -hmm. So it took about two weeks. I quit my job and I was like, all right, now we're going to really go for it. I did save up enough money beforehand for in, to have in two years of income, even if I wouldn't have income as a pilot. Mm-hmm. So then I got my instructor ratings. I started flight instructing um, full time. And then in order to not get burnt out, because you can get burnt out real quick, actually, because I was flight instructing seven days a week. I was flying about, you know, almost 40 hours a week, which is now unimaginable because I now fly like 40 hours a month with all this pandemic stuff. I can't fly at all, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, I was like going at it, going at it, going at it. And then I came to a point that it was like that. It was like, well, shit, I got 650 hours. I'm not even close. And then, you know, 150 hours later, you're like, damn it, 800 hours. I'm still not close. Now what do I do? This sucks. So then I started thinking outside the box. So instead of just continuing and burning myself out with flight instruction, I found myself a corporate job flying, um, basically flying rich people around. So then I did that for a little bit. Then I started burning out on that a little bit and also just not enjoying the area where I was flying because this is going to sound super silly, but it was in an area where it's super cold (laughs) and I lived in Florida and I was like, well, F it, I'm here in freaking freezing my everything off I want to be in Florida so again started thinking outside the box and I found myself a job flying for mosquito control down in South Florida where I lived Mm -hmm. so that was also a completely different job something you know not a lot of people do mosquito control for their time building but I did just by looking you know looking I guess in Dutch they say looking further than your nose is long. I don't think that's something in German or in English. But <laughs> basically looking looking outside the box, right? Like making yeah. sure that exhausting all the options that were there. And that kept flying fun. So mm. my advice would be if you're for anything, right? Like if you're trying if you're starting to burn out because you're doing it so much, try to find the fun in it again. Um and that's what I did. I I chased the fun. But again, I've been in a very fortunate position that I was able to save enough money that if I would be without a job, it wouldn't be that much, that big of a deal because I would have the funds, right? And also, I had a plan B. Like, it wasn't the end all be all for me. Like, even though becoming a pilot and I'm super happy that I got there, mm-hmm. I was also thinking, look, if this doesn't work out and I get so burnt out by doing this for a job, I'm just going to go back to engineering and buy a plane and do it for fun. It's also a very right? good plan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't have to do this for a living. Like, if I don't like doing this anymore, then mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to engineering, buy myself a little plane, because believe it or not, those tiny planes cost as much as a car does. They can be cheaper. I mean, if you buy a really expensive BMW, you can buy two little Cessnas for that. Like, it's wow. not you know, old ones. Old ones. Don't get me wrong. Old airplanes. But you can buy, you can buy a small airplane. And just plots around for fun, right? For me, the most important thing in anything I do, whether that be work, whether that be personal, whether that be a side hustle, I need to have fun. Mm. And I think lots of people, whatever they're doing, they kind of lose sight of that. Especially if you have a side hustle that you actually enjoy doing, and now you're doing it for a job all of a sudden. Like any job is going to be 
not so fun at some point, right? That's why it's work. It's just the way it is. There's, there's a lot of things I do also don't like about airline flying. But what I do make a point out of doing is finding the fun in everything. And look, if I don't have fun with it, I just don't do it anymore. And I know that I'm very, very fortunate to, to be able to do that. And I, I don't take that for granted at all. But I am definitely of the, of the opinion, if something is not fun anymore, just don't do it. Mm. Don't, like, if you're flying so much, if you're flying 40 hours a week and instructing and, 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 and just getting sick of people. Like, I have an example. I have a friend. She is flight instructing. She called me in, almost in tears a few days ago. And she got, oh, how many hours does she have? She I think she got 900 hours. She kind of had the same burnout point as that I had. And she's like, oh my God, Nancy, this student, he puked all over me. Oh this is no Because you get, you get, sometimes you get students, they get air sick and then they start puking all. It's a really bad example. But, you know, she had a horrible day and another yeah. one of her students made a really bad decision at an airport. Um, because you authorize your students to go fly by themselves, right? Because that's one of the big milestones when you start flying to fly by yourself for the first time. Anyway, he did something stupid, and then the the airport authorities, more or less, and her chief pilot were calling her to see what happened with her students. So she was completely over it. She's like, F it. Mm -hmm. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. How can I ever become a Maybe this is not what I want. And I was like, look, you're not having fun. Stop it. Mm. do something else for even if it's a day i'm not saying stop your entire career yeah just stop for a day take a breather you don't have to work seven days a week you don't have you know if somebody pukes all over you maybe you should call it a day for, <laughs> for a day right like I mean, or a week <laughs> or a week whatever you don't have to quit altogether i'm not saying give up but stop and try to find the fun again, you know? Yeah, I think you're you're very right. Like, um, and I include myself in that too. Like sometimes, um, for example, I get caught up in so much of the, you know, what is it that you have to do? <laughs> All the to-dos, to-dos, to-dos. And you're just like, you get in your hamster wheel and then you run and you run and you run and you run. And then sometimes, you know, you just do so much stuff and you get out of the hamster wheel and you're like, I'm still in the same fucking position. Like I haven't advanced. And, um, and that hamster wheel is only going to go faster and faster and faster. And you just can't keep up. And, and then you trip and you're burnt out and that what? And know. you didn't advance. You didn't enjoy the process. You were just like all the like running behind things all the time. Like literally. And um, it's just like we, we, we so forget about like an in anything that we do like I would make that claim like you know whether that is like time with our kids with our partner or you know your job or your whatever your hobby your leisure time like it's not about just the to-dos or what I should I should I should or I have um but really um I love the fact like like where's the fun am I actually enjoying it yeah, and I think you touched upon something really important there that's enjoying the journey. Mm. Whatever you're doing, enjoy the journey. The, the, and it's such a corny thing, right? It's something that's written on Hallmark cards and whatever. But enjoying the journey is just so extremely important. 
like don't just go for the gold the gold like the end of the the tunnel or whatever you're achieving also enjoy the everything in between um and that's i mean that's kind of what i'm that's kind of what i mean with just find the fun in things mm. like if you're not enjoying it don't i mean i i i personally i can't i can't do something i don't enjoy for a long time i just can't it's and a waste awesome. of time I don't know if that's awesome, but I just feel like it's it's a waste of time and a waste of how I don't I don't want to go through life and feel unhappy with a huge chunk of time that I had because you know our time is finite here. However, yeah. whatever you believe in, whatever you your you know if you believe in a god, Allah, Buddha, universe, whatever you believe in, there's still a finite time for this life that you have right now. Yeah. And instead of just reaching something the entire time, just enjoy what you're doing. Mm. No, I do think, I do think like it's awesome because um, I think maintaining that, let's say that attitude or that quality for yourself is so valuable because you get, we get disconnected and distracted and sidetracked so easily. And I think it is a lot a lot harder to you know actually enjoy the process and to actually have fun and to actually you know not let's say lose yourself or forget what is actually important to you because you're just trying Absolutely. to fulfill other people's expectations the the to-dos and and so on so i really do think it's like an amazing quality and you should definitely keep it <laughs> for for yeah, as long as possible it's not easy because it's not only other people's expectations, but your own as well. Because you're the one building that to-do list, right? Mm. It's not somebody else that makes your to-do list. You're building that to-do list yourself. Yeah. Um, and I'm super guilty of it too. And sometimes I need a reminder. And my husband is so awesome with reminding me of that. You mm. know, like I, at some point, you know, I'm flying for the airlines, but I'm also creating content, also trying to keep up with my YouTube stuff. So I was basically working 24-7 as well. Yeah. And a few months ago, he was like, listen, we never do something just to two of us anymore. Like you're always, always have a camera in your hand. You're always thinking about something that you might be able to use for some type of content. How about just taking a day a week off? Mm. And that was just me losing sight of, you know, of just that having fun with it so then i was like oh holy shit you are so right i totally lost sight of what the fun is mm. in it and i you know i turn it around i was like all right sundays is the day that i do nothing well i do stuff but not there's no to-do lists yeah right there's no cameras there's no phones there's no technology i'm just gonna enjoy the time with whomever i met at that point and at this time it's just my husband because we're all, you know, confined to our homes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did. I started doing that and really being mindful of what you're doing in the moment mm. instead of thinking about that to-do list mm. back in your head the whole time. And surprisingly, when I started doing that, my views went up on YouTube because I was just I was just putting out what I like to do, right? Like a huge milestone, which is going to sound super silly. But last week, I put a video up where I was playing my ukulele in the cockpit of the plane. The plane wasn't flying. There was nobody there. <laughs> That's what we you were said. waiting. For... 
<laughs> no, you can see it. There was nobody, <laughs> nobody there. We, we were waiting for passengers. And I love playing the ukulele. And I would have never thought of showing people what I actually really do when I do nothing. <laughs> because that is not professional, right? Yeah. Or that's not uh, helping anybody. So I went back to what I think is fun. Hmm. So I uked, put it up on YouTube because I think it's fun. And I got so many good, like, happy comments. Like, it made somebody's day, right? Yeah. Instead of talking about, oh, it's so terrible right now. and Or, oh, I have to study so much. Or it's so hard. Or this, that, and the other. I just did what I thought was fun at that point in time. And I think people resonate with that. I think you yourself resonates with it. Like, if you're just doing something that's fun hmm. you're, or, or that that you enjoy, you're going to feel better. Yeah. But people around you are going to feel better as well. Like your family, your friends, like they can see that. I think maybe it's not fun is not the right word. I think joy might be Mm. the right word. Like if you see somebody being joyful in something. Yeah. You can sense it with somebody's enjoying something. Exactly. And that's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a really poor word to use right now, but it's infectious. Like, (laughs) (laughs) pun intended people, pun intended, but it's, you know, you can feel it. Somebody is enjoying and the only way to actually enjoy something is to be mindful. It's true. To do, to do what you're doing in the moment and forget about all the thousands of other things that you have on your to-do list or in your notepad or on your iPhone or wherever you have it. And, you know, I think like this is also the reason why so so people like kind of resonate with it because they are hungry for it. I think like they desire it like from their own life. And so it just like, yeah, you're just you're just kind of let's let's say putting a, 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 a lotion or something like that on your own soul or on your own heart, own heart I guess. So, yeah. so Nancy, what would you say is like, this is what I'm, I think there's real or very seldomly is it possible to really like, let's say, um, make a comparison between, you know, what you would have imagined, uh, your reality to be and what reality is really like, um, for certain dreams. Um, because some dreams are so big, let's say that you, you end up, you know, working towards it and um, never ne- naturally or n- never necessarily getting there or, you know, it's just a total different uh, result that comes out. But literally it's like uh, becoming an, an, an airplane pilot is just like, I think, like something more tangible, I guess. And so what has been like, let's say your reality check with it? Has it been like you've imagined it to be? Has it been any like disappointment or what like yeah what has it been i had the biggest reality check when this pandemic happened because Mm -hmm. when between 2015 when i quit my job and actually getting to be an airline pilot i i was on a good track right everything was going really really well and i was just going the way it was supposed to go and there was this huge pilot shortage so it was just like everybody and their mom that wanted to be a pilot could be a pilot technically if Mm -hmm. you put the work in because it's such a great need and 
I had thought that, oh, yay, I'm going to get I'm going to get to here in the States is you have to be a regional airline pilot first and then you become a uh, that's the first officer. Then you become a captain and you go to a major airline, you get to fly bigger jets, blah, blah, blah. And I thought I was just going to, you know, climb those stairs very easily. And uh, then Corona happened mm-hmm. and it was like, ah, nope, nope, no, you're not. No, nope, you might even lose your job. Uh, you might not, you know, this might not even be the thing that you're going to do for Mm -hmm. the rest of your career. Mm -hmm. That was a huge reality check that even though you can, even if you think you made it, you might not have made it at all, you know, because when I was, when I got that little piece of paper that said that I was an airline pilot, I really had the feeling that, yeah, I made it. And then now, now I know that no, you didn't. It can, it can change. It doesn't matter if you worked really hard or really little. You, it, it might not happen at all. Mm. That was a huge reality check because I'm always of the of the also of the notion that if you work hard enough, you can get whatever you want. But mm-hmm. that's not always true. Like this, this pandemic has taught me that and and showed me that you can work as hard as you want. But sometimes things outside of your control will might, you know, throw a really big wrench in all your plans. And that's that was the huge reality check. However, I still don't think that's impossible. I still think that you can it just for speaking of being a pilot, mm-hmm. I still think I can achieve what I want to achieve. It's just gonna take a whole of a lot heck of a lot longer than I thought in the first place Mm. so so at some point (laughs) yeah I mean um you've already mentioned it a couple times um you also started a YouTube channel um all around let's say this journey of yours of becoming a, a pilot um you give like insights behind the scenes of what it is like you know um, important things for just people to know, you know, what they're kind of getting themselves into and uh, how they can do it in a maybe more efficient or more effective way. Um, so what was actually, let's say, the the motivation behind it to start it? Well, I think the biggest motivation for me was that I heard so many people say, oh, I'm way too old. I can't do this anymore. People that wanted to start flying as a second career. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, here I am. I'm 37 years old and just became an airline pilot. You don't have to be 21 and become an airline pilot. You can still do it. And it was that disbelief of people and them not being able to find somebody that has done it. I didn't think, I didn't feel like um, the, the, the pilot that has a second career didn't really have a voice on in YouTube, I guess, or, or, you know, I just wanted to show people that you can do it. Even if you, if, if you've done something else in Mm. the beginning, there were so many, so many people saying that you can't do it. You're too old. No, that's not true. You can still do it. Even now when, because now people are saying, well, the pilot industry is going to go to shit, which it, it is. Let's be honest. Nobody's traveling right now. Nobody's going anywhere. Borders are closed um, here in the U.S. In, or in between states, people are not um, traveling. However, what do you think is going to happen when all this pandemic dust settles? 
I know for a fact that the first time, the first thing I'm going to do when everything is normal is go visit my parents in the Netherlands, mm. right? This whole social distancing thing about us, you know, just seeing each other digitally, people are still herding animals. We still like to be around our families. We still like to be around our friends. So people are going to visit each other again. So even now, if you're 37 now or 38, maybe you can't become an airline pilot, but maybe you can become a flight instructor mm -hmm. and still fly for a living and have fun and still make a decent wage and still be able to pay your bills with something that you love. Uh, maybe, uh, whatever, you go fly packages. We have to still fly packages around. You, mm. you can still do that. And there's so much negativity around, or maybe not negativity, but, but disbelief. Mm -hmm. And that was already when I started my channel two years ago, there was already disbelief in being too old, you can't do it, or disbelief in, you know, whatever. Being too fill in the dots, right? Yeah. And that's why I started that channel, because I was like, you know what, you don't have to be too dot, dot, dot. It's whatever you feel like you can do, and this is how you do it. There's not, there's, there were, there were a lot of channels out there already that showed you all the fun of being a pilot, like the results. Mm -hmm. And also... In addition, I feel like lots of them just show you the really fun stuff versus me also showing you the not so fun stuff, Yeah, which I'm not always that popular for, but I want to make it <laughs> realistic as possible, right? Like if, if I feel like shit, I'm going to tell you I feel like shit. Maybe not in those words, but kind of, you know, um, so that I wanted to give a realistic view of what you, what you can expect as a pilot. And I wanted to people actually, I wanted to give people an actual means to get there. Mm. and all people need is a little bit of a push and then that motivation starts rolling and you'll be fine right yeah. that's kind of what i wanted to achieve with it when i started and i hope i'm achieving that i think so i, I think hope so, so. <laughs> i think i think it just goes for like almost for everything in life like when i just whatever he, let's say my mom when i hear to when i hear her saying like you know i'm too old like you mentioned i'm too old for this i'm too old to change to do something new to change my job or to whatever or even like whatever um um probably people our age you know it's just like like who puts those limits on you <laughs> like exactly There's... yeah and that's that's exactly what i wanted to try to combat with my channel yeah and i just wanted to also do it with something that i knew something about right i could also say hey you're not too old to run a marathon which i have run a marathon but i don't, i'm not that good of a runner to give you advice on it right yeah but i am i am i feel confident enough and i think i have enough knowledge to tell you about flying and how to how mm. to get there and not be too old to do it um, but yeah, you're so right. People put those labels on themselves more than other people putting it on you, I think. Yeah, I mean... Because why would you listen, right? <laughs> if somebody... if No, like, let's, let's talk about, for example, the running thing. Sometimes I've done runs, right, like races, and I never win because I just run for fun. I run for the bling. Honestly, I love getting the medals. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> I, I think that could I, be like a really good slogan. I run for the bling. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm going to put on my own race and I call it the run for the bling. 
Um, but I'm standing there and I'm like, oh, excited to go run. And then I look to my left and I see somebody that's clearly overweight. There's nothing you can say otherwise, right? However, that person is still finishing a half marathon. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that there's thousands of people that would say that they're too fat to do it. Mm. But they write their own narrative, right? Yeah. They say, I can still do it. And then you look to your right and then there's a lady that's clearly let's say 75 years old at least, lots of people would say you're too old to run a half marathon. But they are running that half marathon. She wrote her own narrative. And that's, you know, a lot of people can say that you're too that, that, that. But you're the one that's making that happen. If you believe that you can, I think you can. Or at least you can try, right? Like you you might not make it to the end. I've done a half marathon before and I sprained some type of muscle and I never could make it to the end like it's a bad example but it happened right yeah but I think I think like this is my personal opinion but like you mentioned earlier like we have right now we have this once one once in a lifetime opportunity to live our life and I'd rather whatever (laughs) die trying to get to my dreams and make them happen to just give up right from the beginning and then just be bitter about it uh, at the end of my life and just looking back in regret and resentment and be like, oh, I wish I wish I had done that, you know, or I wish I had done Absolutely. things differently. Like, don't wish, you know, <laughs> just do it. And like you say, sometimes, and this is also something that I really want to get across. It's just like, take tiny steps. Nobody's Nobody's asking you to whatever, drop your career, like change your whole life drastically, go all in or whatever that even means, you know, but just take a tiny step, like time will pass by anyway. And you might as well just use it for something that, you know, you really enjoy. Because you never know where, it's, where it might end up, it might end up in a whatever in your own business into impacting whatever 100 or 1000 or 1 million people, you, you never know, you know, um so yeah it's so true and i really 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 agree with the fact that you say take small steps like you don't have to do something all at once right sometimes just you know isn't there a saying that how do you eat an elephant piece by piece or in small pieces (laughs) or something like that um but it's true just take baby steps and then see if you like it see if it's something you want to keep doing and then Maybe maybe it is something, and maybe you can make it into something huge. Yeah. But yeah, baby steps. It's just start starting is the, the yeah. very, it's the hardest thing in anything. It's starting, I think. And I also think maybe not be afraid to do something you're a little scared of. Mm. Like I have a really weird example. I I love flying all all day every day airplanes. However, I was really scared of flying helicopters for some reason in my head. Helicopters are not supposed to fly. This is the most scariest thing in the world. <laughs> and I taught a helicopter pilot how to fly airplanes. And this helicopter pilot was so thankful that I could do that so quickly that he offered me to fly a helicopter once. And I was so scared. You're like, no, thank and, you. <laughs> and, and Exactly. And when I say scared, I say like tears scared i'm like no i'm never gonna do this i can't blah blah blah. all right fast forward like a year and now i have my commercial helicopter rating (laughs) because after saying no so many times 
I was like, all right, fine, fine. We'll try once and see if I can do this, right? And it, I got over that fear to just try. And once I got into that helicopter and I was able to hover that thing, that was such an empowering feeling, empowering feeling I was like, oh God, I can do this. This is something I was so scared of, but I can do it, right? <laughs> so, so those tears of fear quickly turned into tears of joy of just yeah. saying, hey, you can you can change. And now it doesn't have to be something drastic as flying a helicopter, right? Like you can, <laughs> let, 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 let's take a different example because I, I feel like that's a, some, maybe a little bit of a, a bad example. But let's say if you're... Um, I don't know if you want to enjoy the view somewhere and you're afraid of heights, mm. maybe, maybe try to at least walk up to that window and look outside. Maybe that's something you really, really enjoy doing. Right. Yeah. So I think, yeah, baby steps is a really good thing, but also in, in that same fashion with those baby steps, maybe overcome a little bit of fear that you have to do something. And for example, another example is for example, if you're, if you really like somebody, yeah. And you you would like to talk to them. You know how hard it is to walk up to a person and say hi when you're like, <laughs> you know, I, I had a huge, before my husband was my husband, he was my coworker. And with the first day that he showed up, I was like, oh, I want to say something, but I can't. And thank goodness he started talking to me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've never said anything to him. But, you know. I feel like that's that's a good example. Yeah. It would be a baby step. It's a super tiny baby step to say hi to somebody. But you have to get over that fear of yeah. saying hi to that person you liked. Because who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? You might end up married. Eh? Exactly. You might end up having your own YouTube channel. You might end up having like a totally new career for yourself. You might end up, whatever, having a different life. So, yeah, you might end up on somebody's podcast. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> that the other person started overcoming her fear. So, um, so Nancy, if there was one thing that you know from all of your experience and everything that you've learned, one thing that you could like um, inject into every woman's mind that she needs to know about herself, life, or whatever it is that you think is important, what would be your one message to? those women all over the world i think the most important thing is to understand that confidence comes from within and you don't need permission to have confidence you don't need anybody to tell you that you're confident or that you can do anything you have that and you can make it happen confidence is something that everybody has even if you're introverted, even if you're shy, even if you're, you know, the confidence is somewhere in there. And I feel like lots of women wait for somebody else to give them permission to be confident. And I don't think that's, I don't think you have to wait for that. Mm, I love that. And um, how about yourself? If you were able to send six-year-old Nancy like three pieces of wisdom from today's Nancy about about her life um, or what she needs to know about herself. What would those three things be that you absolutely want her to know? Hmm. Uh, 
one thing is going to sound super silly, but I want six-year-old Nancy to know that you can try foods that you don't like and you might like them when you're older. (laughs) (laughs) Which has everything to do with fear because I was, as a child, so fearful of trying new things. I was so fearful of trying a new dish and eating something. And I feel like six-year-old Nancy needs to know that you can try and you'll be fine, even if you don't like it. It'll be fine. I think that's one. Uh, I want to let six-year-old Nancy know that she will become a pilot. And it is as awesome as what she thinks it would be. It is everything she imagined it to be. It's awesome. And thirdly, I want to let... This is a really good question, actually. I'm actually thinking about it as we... This is a... The third. All the other questions were. Best question ever. No, that's not what I was saying. It's fine. It's fine. This is a hard one. What's the third one I would let her know? I would let her know that. Yeah, I would let her know that she is going to meet so many incredibly talented and different people around the world with emphasis around the world. Because my world was super small when I was six years old. Mm. You know, it was it, it, it was big in the sense that I knew that I could fly to the other side of the ocean or somewhere and meet my family and come back. But my world was small in the sense that I I thought I would always have the same friends. I thought that I would always know the same type, same group of what I thought was my family back then. Mm-hmm. And that has expanded immensely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I met family members that I didn't know I had. I made so many great friends and met incredibly talented and and fascinating people like yourself. Like I would have never imagined to be on a podcast in English while I was in the United States talking to a lady in Germany. Can you imagine that was, that would, that was not even on my radar. I think I want to let six year old Nancy know that people are a lot more fascinating than she thinks they are Mm. at that point. I thought my world was small and I thought that people were boring, which sounds terrible, but that's really what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good thing uh, I could contribute to like proving you wrong on that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So Nancy, I mean, if people want to know more, we can always, I mean, it's like always an hour or a little bit longer, but I feel like still like you can always only cover like so little, I feel so. If people want to know more or, you know, follow the work that you're doing and putting out there, where can they find you? The easiest thing is to find me on my website. It's flygoodaviation.com. And also uh, on my YouTube channel. And it's Nancy Bracha, CFI and airline pilot. And just type that in the, uh, the YouTube search bar. And there's a chick with a pilot uniform. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Nancy, I really enjoyed our talk today. It was just like so, you know, fun, light, and um, I don't know. Also, so many important things I, f I feel like we covered and messages that people need to know. And so I'm really thankful that you've been here with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I feel like we can talk for hours. This would be the longest podcast ever. Probably, <laughs> like 24-hour podcast challenge. Accepted. <laughs> <laughs> No, but really, thank you so much. And um, I really hope that people, you know, I always hope that people take um, a lot of value out of it. Thank you so much for tuning into the Thrive Podcast and spending your precious time with us. If you found this episode valuable and think that others could benefit from it too, please share it with your network, friends, and family. I would also be forever grateful if you could go over to iTunes and leave us an honest review about the show. And if you have a comment, question, or topic that you would like to see covered on the show, go to algamuller.com slash thrivepodcast. So see you next week, girl. And until then, don't forget that you were meant to thrive. <laughs>